From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We're continuing our Women Caring for the Land series of In Her Boots podcast interviews, celebrating women championing conservation with Thelma Heidelbaker of Bossy Cow Farm. Thelma shares her story of detouring from an academic career with a PhD in entomology back to her family farm to recraft a livelihood for her and her young family. Thelma's passion for conservation shines as she gives us practical advice on first steps and what to do, including seeing land stewardship as a journey and following what you're naturally fascinated by, in her case, all things insects. Thelma Heidelbaker and her husband, Ricky Baker, run Bossy Cow Farm, a small family-run diversified organic dairy farm amidst the rolling hills of southeastern Wisconsin. Using managed rotational grazing to take care of the land and feed their livestock, Thelma and Ricky also sell organic farm products, such as beef, eggs, chicken, and pork directly to local customers. Welcome back to our Moses in Her Boots podcast, and we have Thelma Heidelbaker with us today in this series. We are in the middle of talking about women caring for the land and women landowners who prioritize conservation. And your story is so inspiring, Thelma, of returning to your family land and loving the conservation side down to all the the, the little bugs, right? Because you come with a, a, a dairy farmer now with an entomology background. So you bring all kinds of things to the plate. And thank you so much for sharing your story, because I know there are other women who who share your situation of opportunities, possibilities, dreams, desires to possibly go back to farms they grew up on and reinvent things in new ways. And we'd love to hear more about how you are doing it. So take us back. So where, where are you? Where did you grow up? How, what was the farm like back then? Yeah, well, I'm so excited to be here and to talk with you today and, and kind of share this story and place where I'm at now, which is not always the intentional path that I meant to lead in life, as is many things, I guess, that we all go through. (laughs) Um, So I'm coming at you today from Bossy Cow Farm, which is our small um, organic dairy farm in southeastern Wisconsin. So we're in Sheboygan County, so over kind of close to Lake Michigan. And yes, this is the farm that I grew up on. Uh, I've, it was been in my family and my dad grew up here and I grew up here and yeah it's a place where I ran around in the fields and chased cows and collected bugs as that will always be a part of my story um, and just did a lot of the things that farm kids do and, and I loved it and it was it was wonderful and awesome and I, I'm, I'm so grateful for that opportunity but as I got older and living in you know, small town America. When I got to end of high school and I'd wanted to go off to college, I 
didn't want to stay. <laughs> I wanted to go and explore the world and see other things and, and visit other places. And so, you know, I left and, uh, you know, came back obviously once in a while, summer times and things like that, but I really didn't come back for many years permanently. Um, and I, you know, pursued college degrees and, and went off to school and, uh, found a path that, was not going to have me coming back to the farm by any means, but I always kept my toes in agriculture. Um, I got really interested at a young age with insects. And so I started pursuing this field and field of study in entomology, which is the study of insects. And I just kind of loved it. And it took me around the world. I got to study in tropical rainforests and all these other places. Um, but it always kept my toes in agriculture, whether I was working in soybeans or rice or whatever it may be. And so I, you know, kept on this path and I ended up getting a PhD in entomology. So I guess I'm a bug doctor. I don't know how that happened. Um, so as a bug doctor. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of an interesting path and, and like, I really enjoyed it um, for sure. Uh, but it was one of those things, that especially as I got further along in a very academic path, I kind of realized that when there's jobs available, you go where the jobs are. You don't often get to choose. Yeah. Um, and, and somewhere along those lines, I met my partner, now my husband, and we just kind of moved around. We ended up having a couple of kids. And it's funny how things change when <laughs> you start kind of settling down and especially when children come on the scene. And it got to the point where I had to start thinking about like, what was going to be my permanent job? And was it going to be wherever the job would be, which was always going to take us further and further away from Wisconsin, because we we're both from Wisconsin, or picking a path that um, kind of let us have a little bit more control. And along the years, my parents got older, and nobody else was interested in the farm. And it got to the point where we're like, well, you know what, we're at this choice here where either we can go back to Wisconsin and kind of see if we can be a part of that farm story, or move on and have our kids, you know, basically grow up farther away from family. So just like, you know, like every story everybody has, there's always different sides to it um, and different choices that you can make. But we decided to come back to Wisconsin. Um, and it was kind of a unsettling feeling, actually, because my husband was not from a farming background. He was an events planner for, agri what do you call it, uh, sports events. <laughs> and, and I wasn't quite sure what I would do if we came back to Wisconsin. Um, but it ended up that I got this kind of a dream job opportunity uh, working for the Xerxes Society, which is this insect conservation organization. Um, so I would get to work remotely and it would give me an opportunity to come back to Wisconsin and still be able to work in an area that I really liked, which is entomology and insects. And so that was kind of the start of, I guess, our really coming back to Wisconsin story um, and yeah, finding our place here. That's great. And you've been there now since 2017, about, or for a couple of years? Yeah, well, we came back in 2015, um, but we took over full management of the farm from my parents in 2017. So there were a couple of years there of really transitioning and figuring out how things would work or if they would even work. There's always, there's always a lot that goes into play with any farm transition. And for us, that was definitely no exception. Oh, sure. And were your, were your parents recruiting you over the years? Or was this a bit of a out of the unexpected but appreciated blue? Or how, how did things roll? Yeah, it was uh, 
kind of a, a process in the works that kind of happened pretty quickly for us. And was, there was a set of circumstances where um, there was just the situation that arose within our family where um, there was some help that was needed back here on the farm. And so that was kind of for us a motivation to actually really move forward with coming back um, and, and seeing if there was a place for us to work alongside my, my parents. Um, and, and, and so, you know, when opportunities like that arise, it's like, well, let's give this a try. And so there were a couple years there where we were working with my parents um, and, and seeing how things would go. Um, and, and part of this too is that, you know, I was just like anything, <laughs> balancing uh, a, a different kind of career load because I was working full-time off the farm and it was my husband who was the one who was really working on the farm. And like I mentioned, he's not, he doesn't have a farming background or he did not um, come from come from a farm. And so for him, there was a lot of information that he had to learn to be able to do a lot of the farm stuff. And so he actually was, he got involved with this program called the Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship Program, which was super helpful to us and helping us think about, do we want to do this farming thing? Is it a good business Thing to do? What does he need to learn to be able to, you know, do the livestock care and things like that? Uh, so just, just, there's so much learning that was going on on all of our side, all of our sides, I guess, from, from business side to the farming side to figuring out a farm transition. Yeah. And after those couple of years of just really learning and working side by side, that's when we decided to really push forward with um, taking over the management of the farm itself and for us to be the ones in charge of making the, the calls on what we were going to do and, and really just kind of carrying forward what it is that my parents had already set up, which was a fantastic farm. It's a, it's a grazing farm. It's a grass-based farm. There's so many good conservation things that are going on here. So it's just taking what they had already done and kind of just moving it forward into the next generation and the next set of managers. Wow. Uh, that's that's inspiring. The um, and the conservation element, I know, has always been important to you, Thelma. How, what does uh, caring for the land mean to you personally? How do you define conservation? Why is it such a passion for you? Uh, caring caring for the land is something that I really take seriously. There's so many elements um, to that. So you think about what is conservation, and and, and conservation is is, you know, it's protecting and maintaining what you already have, like our existing natural resources. And, and I always kind of grew up, my family is very conservation focused, like we take care of what we have, if it's the wildlife or the birds or the animals or the insects or the water or soil or whatever it may be. Um, it's something that I was always raised with and, and just putting a really high value on our natural resources. Um, and so for me, it, you know, when we're on the farm, and thinking about what it is that we're doing, that just kind of goes hand in hand, that we have to take care of what we have. But I've really realized now that with what we're doing on the farm, it isn't just conservation anymore. We're kind of taking it to another level um, because conservation is, you know, kind of keeping what you already have. And we're really trying to create more, um, to create more habitat for wildlife, um, create better soils that can grow and raise more livestock and wildlife and just really, really improving upon things, not just being sustainable, but even beyond that. And I think that's a, that's a really 
big thing. And I'm not saying we're perfect by any means, and we do not have it all figured out. But but I do like the idea of being able to create more spaces and places on our farm for for all the other wildlife and creatures that that we can share our spaces with, not just our livestock. I love how you phrase that, Thelma, of making things even better and not just keeping the status quo growing and increasing things. And talk me through some of the things you've done already on the land, some different programs. I know you, you do a lot with pollinators and CSP and things. What are a couple of those that you started with that might be of interest and help to folks? So there are a lot of different things that you can do if you want to do you know, conservation on your land. Um, there's a lot of different forms it can take. And I think one of the things is just to figure out what it is that you really want to focus on. Um, is there a particular you know, area that you're interested in? It might be grassland birds. It might be trees. It might be whatever. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. But for me, being an entomologist and somebody who worked in insect conservation for a number of years, uh, I just am really, I gravitate towards insects, <laughs> not surprisingly. Um, yeah. and, and so thinking about like, how can we do more to support beneficial insects? And I, I, do, I do say pollinators a lot because pollinators are so popular right now and everybody's like, oh, what can we do to protect our pollinators? And they are very important. But I really like broadening that out a little bit more to just say beneficial insects, because there are so many beneficial insects on our farm that we like to have here. And just for some examples, so we have the pollinators, you know, our bumblebees, our, our native bees, um, but we also have dung beetles, which are super important for us because our animals, they poop and we need to have all that the, all that poop decomposing. And so our, the dung beetles are a really important part of that. And then we have all of our predatory insects, like the, like the beneficial lady beetles and things like that, that are just helping with just general pest management, maintaining the status quo of insects all, overall. So, you know, I like thinking about like, what can we do to just really support all of these different forms of wildlife, insect wildlife. Um, and so I, we do a lot here on the farm in trying to um, increase our plant biodiversity because a lot of these things are just you want to have habitat for the insects and then you want to have um, different plant diversity because all the different plants whether it's trees or shrubs or grasses um, they all help support and create create little niches or little special spaces for all these different types of insects to live so one of the things that we are actively trying to do right now is to plant more diversity of native trees and shrubs on our farm and a lot of these are like flowering trees um, and and just ones that do help support a lot of the pollinators, but also help create, you know, places where birds can nest. Um, they create sh shade for our, or at least down the road when they grow a little more, create shade for our livestock as well. So there's like so many benefits to doing this. And so by adding one thing, you know, plants uh, across our, our fields and across in, in our um, fence rows and things like that. So it's working with plants, but in, you know, on the other side, you're really helping support a lot of these beneficial insects and pollinators at the same time, which is kind of cool. It's like two different organisms being benefited in, in many different ways. I can just feel the vibrant energy of your place, Thelma, in you talking about it. It, it feels alive and vibrant and diverse and all of that. And 
you really see it all connected, right? In that it it seems too often sometimes we get, I don't know, plugged into a program or a track or a, a recipe, if you will, for how to do something. But you're saying follow what you're interested in, but keep it diverse, right? Keep it all different things all at once. I can I mean as far as the the habitats go. Yeah. So so do you can do little things um, that work for you at a time. Because some, sometimes when you're trying to do like, if you have a big vision in mind, it can get really overwhelming. And you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get to that end goal. Like one of our things that we would like to do is, is reestablish all the, the, the hedgerows that used to be on the farm. And those are something that used to be just everywhere across the landscape, a lot more than they are now. A lot of them are being taken out. So like these, these hedgerows and fence rows that had lots of trees and shrubs growing in them are super valuable uh, for, for habitat, for wildlife. And they create really great shade structures for like our livestock too. And we wish we would have them back, but it takes time for these trees and shrubs to grow. Like it just doesn't happen overnight at all. Um, and so we have to start small. And so like last year, we just planted, you know, 50 really small bare root trees on our farm just as a starting point. I mean, they're not going to amount to anything, you know, uh-huh. In a year or two, it's going to take years, but at least you started somewhere. And in my mind, it's just put a little, you know, like a shift in there. It's like, hey, we've at least started because <laughs> if you don't start somewhere, then nothing's ever going to happen. And so that's just like, OK, we put one tree, we cut, put some trees in last year and then this year we'll put in a couple more. And yeah, so it'll it, it'll be small improvements um, over time. And slowly you will see the benefits of every year of those little things that you do. Um, that will come together as a bigger picture and be just more supportive of what our vision is of just being able to support a lot more diverse diversity of organisms on our farm. Yeah, and that's good advice on the taking little steps one step at a time, because especially if people are moving to land or going home to family land that hadn't been as cared for as yours, that can take a lot of time. And they can take a lot of patience and all of that. So we're in it for the long haul. You bet. You bet. Are you starting to see things new on your land as far as um, different species coming back or different of these uh, habitats? It's not so much things coming back yet. Um, Like I said, my parents had really set up a great place to just keep going with because we already have permanent pastures going that have been here for, you know, almost a couple of decades now. Um, and, and so for us, it we haven't seen too much of a change. But one of the things that I have done, and I encourage other people to do as well, is start tracking and seeing what's actually on your farm, because a lot of times you just don't know. And here's my example on this, because as an entomologist and somebody who does and has studied insects, um, I started doing these citizen science projects of tracking the different organisms at our farm. In particular, for me, it was bumblebees. And I had never done this before, uh, at least on our farm. And I started tracking it. And, and what I realized was we had a huge amount of diversity of bumblebee species here on our farm. And I had no idea because I'd never looked at it before. And by doing this through, it's, there's a particular program called a uh, 
the Bumblebee Brigade through the Wisconsin DNR. Um, it just kind of created a baseline for me of saying, hey, this is what we've got already. I had no idea we had this. And now moving forward, I can see if maybe we are increasing our diversity of, in this case, bumblebee species on the farm. Just a really kind of simple way to, you know, see what you've got and move forward from there. And so now when I go out and about and walk through our pastures, I'm always kind of tracking and seeing what bumblebees I see flying around and visiting our various flowers that are in bloom. Yeah. And I just, I had no idea. So just to give you an example here, I, when the first year that I tracked the bumblebees, uh, which was in 2018, uh, I found five bumblebee species, which is like a quarter of the bumblebee species that we have here in Wisconsin. And like I said, I had no idea. That's, I was like, wow, a quarter of them just in our pastures. That's like, pretty cool <laughs> and, and pretty incredible. And so I'm hoping that we can find more down the road, um, but you can't, you won't know unless you look. Oh, that's fabulous advice to yeah, start tracking and understand better what you have, both to help it grow, but also to see how things evolve over time. I love the bumblebee brigade. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a team we can all sign on to. So Thelma, what advice would you give a woman landowner either somebody who's thinking about coming back to their farm or maybe they're already on their land on this conservation journey as far as advice on first steps. Um, and we've, we've talked about some things here already, but it can get overwhelming. It can get uh, a little daunting as far as all the things that might need to be done. Uh, what, what advice would you give? One of the first things I would suggest that anyone do is is talk to other people who have maybe done some of the things that you're interested in doing and, and see how they did it. Um, and then there are lots of resources here in Wisconsin uh, that can help you. Some of it on the funding side, like for example, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, NRCS, um, they can get, you can get funding through the federal government to help implement some of these conservation practices. Because and to be honest, if you're running a farm, you know, every little bit that costs something is it's something that's going to take away from somewhere else. And so you always are balancing um, what is it that we can do realistically uh, and, and still be able to have our you know, farm, farm business going. So if you can get some financial support, uh, that's wonderful. And you know, there's federal support. There are also lots of smaller nonprofits that sometimes have money available for particular projects or programs that they have going on. Uh, so, so talk to, you know, find out what some of the resources are that you have avail that are out there and available, you know, talk, like I said, talk to other farmers or other landowners or land managers and see what they have done to give you some idea of what it is that's feasible and doable. And just give you kind of a realistic, maybe timeline and perspective of what, what is possible in like the short term and in the long term as well. And like I mentioned, Small steps, you know, start with something small. If you're interested in trees, plant one tree, start there. Uh, if you're interested in wildflowers, you know, start a small, start planting a few wildflowers. You don't have to take on, a, you know, 10 acres at a time in order to get started with whatever your, your goals may be. I love it. Great advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey, Thelma, and uh, inspiring others along the way. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. 
The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.